0: You're listening to the Arcade Vaults podcast where we're chatting all things gaming.
1: Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are, whenever you're watching. Uh, this is the RKVox podcast, uh, this is episode 23. It's weird, you think if we're doing it every week, you think I'd get a rhythm for what number an episode we're on, but I, every time I'm like, hmm. I am um, sat on the floor, there's been a bit of a kerfuffle ahead of time, so it's a little <laughs> bit of a fun one, um, but one thing that is consistent, and it's always consistent, is Chris is here with me. Chris, how's it going, buddy? I'm alright, how hey, are you, mate? Uh, i'm com- good comfortable on the floor i am because i'm kind of leaning on a comfy sofa but i don't know how long this posture and hard floor is going to hold me up for so okay. we'll see how it goes <laughs> if i start shuffling uncomfortably at the hour <laughs> mark you know what's going on <laughs> um amazing and uh, as we always do we have a special guest um i'm really excited to have a special guest on we're always really excited for a special guest because yeah. we're just people that are surrounded with other amazing people and it's always great to get them on um so this week we've got uh, kieran he's from the New Podcast. Um, so, as well as, obviously, running the New 2 podcast, Cure done a whole bunch of stuff around esports in the kind of Cardiff and South Wales area with things like Belong. Um, he's also a pretty avid uh, TCG player, and Pokemon TCG player. I know I've seen a bunch of stuff. It's one of those things where whenever I see him doing it, it he might as well be talking Latin. I don't know what's going on, <laughs> but he obviously is very, very good at it. Uh, I'm really happy to have you on, Q, and How's it going, bud?
2: Yeah, it's good. Um... I've actually quite enjoyed the sense of I can stay at home and work on little projecty bits like the podcast and trying to do
0: some streaming. So,
2: yeah, I'm feeling pretty good. I've had coffee, I've had food now, and I'm, like, <laughs> good to go. Like... <laughs> yeah.
0: We always start our podcast with making sure we have enough coffee and caffeine on the go. Everyone's all stocked up. We're all good to go. Yeah.
1: And then... <laughs> I just noticed as I'm here, like, normally I'm, like, sipping my coffee on the podcast okay. I've just realized, like, hmm. For legal reasons, I may or may not pick up that coffee cup for the rest of the podcast. Uh, <laughs> that, uh, we'll have a, a post-podcast chat about that. Um, thank you so much for coming, Kieran. Chris, thank you for being here, as you always are. I'm not going to say thank you too much to so you. You're going to be here either way. I, you you know don't know me. I mean, you know. I, so yeah. I mean, it's just exhausting, right? <laughs> yeah. uh, amazing. Let's not start on exhaustion. Let's jump straight in to, uh, as we always do, the top stories of the week in video games. Cool. So, top stories this week. Uh, you know what? Straight off the bat, as much as I'm kind of hosting this week's episode, I'm gonna be like, "Yo, Chris, Jesus, <laughs> I knew you were gonna do take that? Take the rain, man." Yeah. So, the headline I've got here is that Opera, so the web browser Opera, has bought YoYo Games, so the guys that make Game Maker Studio from Playtech. What's What's the story, man? Break
0: it down uh, for us. It, it It was just a, It was an interesting. It was an interesting tidbit because we don't often talk about the uh, development side of games or you know the 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 tech side of games that much here and we have a couple of times recently so it's almost it it, i thought it was almost just worthwhile bringing it up for that reason uh so game maker studio is um i've never i confess i've never actually used it but uh it is uh one of the uh uh, it's it's a it's an up and come tool i guess for people to make games um uh, uh it's meant to be the an easy way to make games um and um it's just a weird purchase for a a browser maker to make. I, I don't know much about the original owners, Playtech uh, or Yo-Yo for that matter, but the fact that Opera are buying it, I thought was an interesting him, because
1: why? Well, <laughs> it's I, a question, right? you're, why? It's the question, right? Why? Very much, you know, when when you're not doing stuff with video games in the arcade, like the the web development side of things is kind of your sphere, yeah, that's, right? That's that's very much it. Yeah, that, I, I know Opera as my Chrome isn't working, Firefox isn't working what browser do I go with from there? That's all that Opera is for me. It's my third option. If something's broken, it's for me to go, yeah, no, it's definitely broken. And then I just go back to Chrome. Yep. Um,
0: but arguably, I think that's one of the issues because Opera hasn't been the third browser for quite a while in terms of... Its, its focus now is, I think, on security and uh, value-added features rather than as a as a mainstream browser. So why why have they bought GameX studio can i just i just don't understand it it's weird um i yeah, they 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 toy, i think they toyed briefly with a mobile browser um i know I remember using that mobile browser i think it's before uh, before chrome was on everything um so opera was around on some mobile and then firefox had tried that as well it's just, it's a very hard space to break into these days as a, as a new platform a new browser so i'm wondering whether that's what they're doing maybe they're maybe they're trying to do something with gaming in the browser i don't know it's uh it's strange or maybe it's just a diverse portfolio maybe they just want to yeah it
1: could be that simple it could be that simple yeah was there not a big shift and change with with flash
2: yeah didn't they get rid of like an adobe flash um application so like a lot of the games that like I would have played in school during like science lessons such as like the tanks that you used to have to put in the directories and stuff. Um you can't really do those anymore because they've just kind of gotten rid of it.
0: So that's a huge thing actually because we never talked about that. I think that happened while we were on hiatus. But yeah it's a big deal. Flash Flash has gone. Flash is no longer officially Flash has been retired by Adobe uh, their browsers, mountain hatches, just gradually dropped it and dropped it because it's just an uh, insecure, over bloated bit of, you know, it had its place. Like you say, when people were playing video games and browsers at school, that's what they were using. You know, a bit after my day, but <laughs> yeah, that's that's what they're going do. So uh, maybe that's it. Maybe they're just trying to break that into that space. I mean, uh, you look at game maker studios type of games, and they're very simple games we're not talking about like 3d engine unity style games we're talking about generally 2d overhead or you know flat games so maybe that's the space they're trying to break into i
1: mean i guess there's stuff there because i mean itch.io i've not had a huge amount of experience but you can kind of develop games through there and I, i assume you can host them in browser there right and i know like i'm using Twine at the minute. We were talking about this this morning Chris. Mm. So Twine, the idea of Twine if you're not familiar with Twine is you kind of traditional um, text adventure type games. Twine is an engine that you use to kind of build those games. So you know, guy walks into a door, do you go left do you go right? When you go left you see a tree and a path. Do you go for the tree? Do you go for the path? You can build it that way. Um, And what's quite interesting is once you've kind of done that when you host the game it just pings you through to a HTML link right? Like it's all, like it's played in browser um so I guess there's, a, there's something there from a development point of view. Like for Might me, be, as someone yeah. who doesn't know how to make games, but knows how to write and wants to make games, this is great because it's all browser stuff. And since my film degree, I've been using Celtex, which is a screenwriting software. I've been doing that in browser for years. I've not downloaded a Celtex app in years, but I use that on the monthly. So may, maybe that's it as well, right? Is it as much about trying to make things as in the cloud, in the browser, away from local hardware as possible and give maybe devs an option to go that way?
0: Maybe, maybe. I, I it's it's a very low key purchase. I mean, you know, they bought they sent ten million on it, dollars. Um, which in the ga the in the world of game studio purchases isn't that much really. Uh and um yeah, it's not been really in the mainstream news. This was on uh Game Sutra, um, which is uh more of a business I'd say business oriented site Yeah, a bit, I'd, I'd say it? yeah. But um, like game business
1: you is but yeah.
0: Yeah. So uh so it's just uh, I I it came up in my feeds I just it was an interesting side I I don't know I, it it could be something that comes back in a few a couple of years time and everyone goes oh wait Opera are making games in their browser it could be the next study, you never know it's uh, who knows anyway um
2: yeah I was thinking that because I had a quick look at like the Opera web browser because it's not one that I've like used before so I have a quick look and it's like, oh, you can have like a free VPN as part of the browser thing. I was like, oh, that's quite cool. You see loads of people advertising VPNs. Um, and then they said that they had their like own like in Messenger. So if other people have the upper web browser, you can chat among them. Um, recently, I think as well, because of the Flash browser things going down, there was a load of those like Facebook games as well that people were playing advertising, which yeah, right. you yeah. can't do anymore. Yeah. So maybe they're just trying to jump into that market now that it has gone. So, if you have a web browser where everyone can go on, talk to one another as if it was social media, as well as have these kind of like web browser 2D-based gaming, then that might be a reason for people to go. Ah, oh, well, yeah, I'll download Opera then because it does similar things to Google, such as remembering your password and stuff like that, but also allows me to chat and play games with my friends. So, yeah,
1: yeah, it's almost like they want it to be more of a platform than a browser, right? They want it to be more than just a browser, which I guess for a lot of companies are, right? I think other than Safari, which Safari is Apple's browser and Apple is Apple's platform, right? But then Chrome, even Microsoft Edge and stuff. I've started using a Windows computer um, over the last kind of few months and Microsoft Edge is there and everything runs, well, they try and get everything to run through Edge. So I guess like a lot (laughs) of browsers are solely going cool. A web browser probably isn't, that's not the future of our business. It needs to be more than a browser. And I guess this is just, like you said, diversifying that portfolio, right?
0: Yeah, I think that, that is, that's what it comes down to. Diversification. Yeah.
1: Interesting. Um, the next story that we've got, uh, so this is kind of a one-two punch where it hit me once and then it hit me again. Um, and it's a weird one because it almost feels like the second part of this story somewhat starts making up for the first part. Um, I was going to ask so you about I, that. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so Vicarious Visions who um, are kind of a, a mainstay right? I know Vicarious for, from years and years ago they're part of Activision and, and Blizzard as a, obviously as a kind of co-publishing company but they're the guys that bought the Crash Bandicoot Insane Trilogy kind of to the market and did an incredible job of that they also last year bought the Tony Skater one and two games back and that was fantastic so they've been really really good at it's, I feel that like this big surge of kind of high quality not just remasters but remakes of games they kind of push that you know it's 20. Well, in 2020, we had a new Crash Bandicoot sequel to Crash What? That's mental, and that's kind of because of them. Um, so that company seems like all oh, that business or how they're structured now is pretty much gone. They're now being moved away from Activision as a developer, working with Activision as a, their publisher, and they're being integrated into Blizzard, um, which initially I was really disappointed about. because I'm like, oh, well, that sucks. They were doing really cool stuff. And now they're just going to be pushed into doing Blizzard stuff, and, and that company's gone. But then the second part of this story came out a few weeks later, uh, a few days later rather, saying, "Yeah, it sounds like they may potentially be working on remakes of Blizzard games. So Diablo 2 is the one that got thrown around. Yeah. I'm not a big Diablo player, but yeah, I guess in a world where the vanilla version of uh, Warcraft." you know, we talked about that on the podcast last year, late last year, that exploded massively. There's obviously a taste for these older Blizzard games to kind of get a space, and I guess that's what Vicarious Visions are going to be doing.
0: It, you know, so when you when you first mentioned, uh, I should clarify here to everyone and Kieran, uh, that uh, Tom was very upset when he mentioned <laughs> this first story. He was very upset uh, <clears throat> when the first part of the story got And I think, I think I, correct me if I'm wrong here, I think part of that comes down to the fact that the games that they have uh, have remade or remastered, I should say, uh, are games that really speak to you. You know, like your Tony Hawks and your Crash Bandicoot games. They're, it's
1: they're, that golden era first-gen yeah. PlayStation 1, right? And they, and they did excellent jobs with it.
0: So I think the second part of this story um, has arisen because of the backlash to the first part of the story. And they go, look, actually, hold on a second. We're not punishing them for doing well. We're actually... This is actually... They've done such a good job. We want them to do the same good job to these other games. That's what we're doing. Yeah. And I think that's what they've gone. <laughs> there's, a, there's a lot of backtracking in the news. There's a
1: real games. art of video game companies retconning very quickly. It's a yeah. running theme throughout this week's podcast, I think. Because is, the it? next story <laughs> kind of sits around that as well. Um, yeah. I mean, Kieran, do you have any thoughts? Did you play any of the games that they put out? Um,
2: so annoyingly obviously I played a lot of Crash when I was younger um I didn't play too much like Tony Hawk Uh, I had a few friends that played it um I haven't played the new Crash Bandicoot um just because I played the demo because we had like the demo in the arena and people could come in and they could play like one of like three levels for free um but annoyingly it was near like it was like the middle between coming off of the first lockdown and then going into the next lockdown, so you still had like a lot of like restrictions and stuff in place and so on. But um, it was really good fun. Um, but I found it was it's such a difficult game. Like that was the one thing that I actually appreciated about it is it's like as a kid it was hard because it's a puzzle platformer and you're new to like a console. Yeah. But me as an adult picking up this new Crash Bandicoot game. This is hard. <laughs> I was expecting to breeze through it. And I was like, do you know what? I might not need that stress in my life just yet. <laughs> right? So That sums it up. I haven't, I haven't picked it up, but from what I played, you know, it was really vibrant. The graphics were really good. You know, it played really well as a puzzle platformer. The sound and the kind of nostalgia it gave me, uh, it was really good. So they did like a really great job on it. Um, for me, I... at first I was like why is Tom getting such a you know mm, about it going more Blizzard?" because I'm like I love blizzard games yeah I play a lot of Hearthstone I play a lot of Overwatch um you know I even tried like Heroes of the Storm for a bit you know and yeah I was like right well why is he being like thinking about it and then I realized that obviously yeah the games that Tom really likes are Crash Bandicoot and Tony Hawk and it looks like they're not gonna carry on doing that um I think Um, when the news is first announced, people were probably like, ah, they're probably working on, like, Overwatch 2 and, like, you know, (laughs) pushing that through. But I think that's just a very kind of, like, quick think. Um, I definitely like the idea that they're looking, let's say, at, you know, stuff like World of Warcraft or Diablo or Starcraft and trying to create something different and kind of remake it and revamp it. Uh, I think that's a really nice idea. And if that is coming to fruition, then, yeah, I think it will it will hit home really good because they've obviously got a knack with remastering games and doing well
0: i, th- I think sorry chris go ahead i was going to say because I, th- I think um it's uh it's clear there's there's some of these studios are getting uh getting reputations as uh specialists in areas right and uh they've clearly deservedly so got a reputation as making really good remasters because uh, especially well I, I didn't I didn't play the Crash uh, games either but um, Tony Hawks was I we, we played it a lot and they did an excellent job at rem- not just remastering that but just kind of updating it just enough to make it you know so they're not just let's just take this game and make it new they're they're doing stuff to the games and making them fit the newer platform so they, they're clearly good at that and I think if you've got a reputation um, and you own this company why not you know take the skill set and apply it to something that might need it and that's probably what they've done here just like the, yeah, it, yeah
1: sorry go on. I, I think you're exactly right in terms of kind of like this is an incredible team we can integrate them into our team bigger i think like my my knee-jit reaction was emotional more than anything right it wasn't exactly logical it was like no they're doing a good job but actually when you really look at it and don't get me wrong the insane trilogy that they did was fantastic but actually that set the tone for a bunch of other companies to do that where um toys for bob they're the guys that did the spy of the dragon trilogy they kind of remade that did a fantastic job there they're the guys that then went on to do um, crash team racing which is also really fantastic uh they set the tone sorry no toys for bob went on to do crash four bnox another activision studio are the guys that did crash team racing so they've kind of set the groundwork for cool we can do this let's grab these teams and get them to start doing it um it does still kind of throw me off a little bit where i'm like it's cool that they're going to be working on this blizzard stuff I still don't understand why a company that big, because obviously Blizzard and Activision are are publishers. They're not. They're a bit like a Bethesda, right? You've got Bethesda Studios, which make games, and you've got Bethesda, the company, which is a powerhouse in gaming across the board. Mm. It's weird that when you're that kind of company, that you'd want to integrate everything into one big team, as opposed to having access to lots of teams. Do you know what I mean? That's what I think. That's what big
0: companies like to do. They want to, you know. It's like an Amoeba. They just want to absorb everything into them and make them one big, gigantic blob. Um, You know? uh, It's the blobification of the games industry. (laughs) The
2: blobification (laughs) of the games
1: industry. Yeah, I think it'll be interesting. Like I said, you're spot on in in terms of my first reaction was, what the F? And I kind of lost my mind and I got a bit upset. And then I was like, logically speaking, this isn't going to be any worse than it was before. Like, They've been a studio that have been owned by Activision and Blizzard for the last several years, yeah. and they still managed to get those games out. So it's going to happen regardless, right? But it'll be interesting to see what they work on. I think the other thing that could be really interesting is, is this an active move? The fact that they've kind of gone, cool, we're going to take you away from Activision that have video game consoles covered. They know consoles, that's fine. When you get to Blizzard, Overwatch maybe being the big exception, because obviously that's just been huge across every platform, but Blizzard feels like such a PC company, right? Like such a PC steam base or not steam base but blizzard it's it's a it's not a console company so is there an element of these guys are really good at taking a raw platform and converting that and putting that across (laughs) multiple different things is that part of it right where you can suddenly go yeah well all these games that used to only be available on pc we can make this work on console for you we can make it look pretty we can make it look hot we can get it on xbox and play potentially a switch as well is that part of it that would be cool. Like, I I have a PC now, so I guess I don't need that to happen. But also, I just spent a bunch of money on a PS Five early late uh, late last year, and I, I want I want to play what it content. there. I want to, I don't, like. It's not that I. It's best on PlayStation Five. I just want to justify buying that machine. So, <laughs> uh, it'll be interesting to see. You know, seeing kind of what that what that brings forward. And Diablo 2, I didn't play it. I'm not a huge oh Diablo player. I never have. But people who love the that that brand and that property really love that brand. I think about the mobile one that they announced to Fervor, right? Was it at BlizzCon where they announced that they were making a Diablo mobile game and somebody walked up in the Q&A and went yeah, I have a question. Is this a joke? <laughs> <laughs> uh, they were not happy. So maybe you have to go, sorry about the mobile game. Here's a really pretty version of Diablo 2. Feel free to go play that again. Uh, <laughs> that could be a really good solution. Um, Activision and Blizzard uh, aside, you're kind of going from one behemoth to the other right Xbox have had a week let's be real Xbox have had a year and a decade Mm -hmm. (laughs) um, so essentially what happened this week is Xbox announced initially that they were going to be increasing the monthly cost of Xbox Live Gold which got lambasted and battered immediately to the point where they almost immediately went cool uh, never mind how bad (laughs) Uh, (laughs) We're not going to do that. Also, free-to-play games that you normally have to have an Xbox Live Gold subscription for, you, you don't need that anymore either. We're not going to check. We're, we're just going to make Fortnite free for you. We're really, really sorry. Um, mental. Can I, can I just say, I did, I, now not being
0: really in the Xbox universe, it blew my mind that I didn't know that it wasn't actually free to play free-to-play games online. I was just like, wait, hold on a second. The the whole thing about Fortnite and all those free-to-play games is they're free-to-play.
1: So why are they charging it? How has no one kicked up a fuss about this before? Well, we, we were discussing this, not to go into spoilers, right? We'll keep away from nominees and winners and stuff. But when we were generally talking on the NoobTube podcast um, yesterday, as, as of the day of recording for today, uh, we talked about the kind of different consoles and stuff and the impact that they've made. And one of the things that we did discuss was, yeah, PlayStation has to be commended for being a platform that goes, yeah we've got a monthly subscription but you don't have to have that to play these games like you you can buy a ps4 or a ps5 and you can play Fortnite without needing to pay monthly for access to the internet when you're already paying for the internet and xbox still do that and it's what was so bizarre to me is i feel like it was xbox has made it crystal clear that their their whole go-to for this generation and probably the next decade is game pass ultimate game pass game pass game pass game pass Pass. that's where they want customers right sorry game game what Game Pass. Game, yeah. I, don't, I don't, okay, just game, clarifying, game, okay. Yeah, as in Walking past and To Game, Game Pass. Um, but obviously the Game Pass Ultimate subscription is actually really good value for many because it offsets Game Pass and Xbox Live Gold and kind of merges them into one subscription service. It was probably a conscious decision for them to go, let's just bump the price of Xbox Live Gold and then people will go, huh, why would I pay this for gold when I could pay a pound more and get Game Pass Ultimate and move over there? Instead, what they had was, what do you mean you want more money? <laughs> uh, Twitter was really interesting where, like, I follow a lot of influencers and YouTubers and streamers. The amount of people that were covering that story, and it was Phil Spencer himself in people's replies on Twitter being like, hey, yeah, you're right. We got this wrong. We're really sorry. We've reassessed. That's the head of Xbox going on Twitter and apologizing personally for this blunder. It's absolutely mad,
0: uh, yeah, I, hilarious. Uh, I I I think Xbox are in a danger of getting reputation as the U-turn people, you know, um, a bit like not that game of politics, a bit like a a government we shall not name name. But uh, it's just like they every every time they make a big move, which which I've also uh, interesting is as on the side. A lot of people on Twitter have said this. I know what you guys think about this, but the fact that they come up with these ideas in the first place clearly shows where their focus is. They may u-tune on it and change u-turn on it and change their time, but actually, their focus is all about getting as much money out of bit gamers as possible, and not really necessarily feeling the whole you know gamer vibe. They're just about just about money. Sorry.
1: <laughs> Anyway, they're, they're a multi billion dollar gaming company, right? Like, all of these companies are that company. I mean, I that, that's I, arguably, yeah. I'm all... sure there are, yeah, I'm sure there's a not for profit gaming studio out there somewhere. But, yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, of I course. think what's really interesting is so much of their plan for the coming sort of several years, obviously with Xbox Series X and Game Pass on PC and Game Pass as a concept, is being super consumer friendly it's not sustainable for them to keep running the business as they are, but they know they're part of Microsoft and they can probably afford to do it now. And I think they're kind of thinking, well, we can take the hit on buying these games, putting them on Game Pass, not necessarily making a huge amount of money so that we can get that install base because consumer-friendly looks good. Like Consumer-friendly only looks good when you don't make anti-consumer moves first, right? Like When you make a move like this, it's like, oh, we're consumer-friendly, we changed our mind and we decided not to do it yeah, but you were gonna. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, That's, the point. Till, That's the point. They were you know, gonna do it. A, if I walked up to a stranger on the street was like, I'm gonna kick you in the bollocks. What? I'm kidding. I'm not. The stranger would still be like, no, no, you just said you were gonna kick me in the bollocks. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. That conflict doesn't go away magically, right? Um, and, you know, I feel like gamers respond more to having to spend money more violently to a stranger would if I tried to kick them in the bollocks. Like, they're <laughs> venomous But they have to spend money. Um, so yeah, I, I don't know what I do know what they want people on Game Pass I think that's the crux of this story Is Xbox Live Gold is it, it, it's gone like they're, they're moving away from that it's unimportant it was only ever supposed to be there as a way to get people playing online in a world where you can buy a PC and if you're a PC player especially you can play all those games through Steam online you're not going to have to pay for Xbox Live so where are they going to pull those PC gamers from where are they going to get their money from Game Pass, it's, it all roots back to that. That's the future. That's their focus. That's their priority as a company, not just Xbox, but I think Microsoft is a bigger industry. If you look at things like uh, OneDrive and stuff like that,
3: mm-hmm.
1: they, they want that subscription base. They want that recurring revenue no matter what. And the main way for them to do it at the minute is to go, we're going to lose people if they have to keep paying for Xbox Live Gold, but if we can convince them to spend that extra pound on a bunch of games and get them playing games and get them more invested and active and interacting, that's a priority. I think it's just a really poor decision. They would have been way better to go, hey, I would be amazed if a couple of months from now we don't get a video of Phil Spencer going, we looked at Xbox Live Gold, we listened to what you said, we know you don't want to pay for it, and really... We know the Game Pass Ultimate's the best value, so as of today, every Xbox Live member has Game Pass. That's just what you get. That'd be, that'd be Game a Pass ballsy. Well, th- if you think about it logically, though, it makes no sense for them what they're doing now, right? Like, Can I just clarify something? Is there,
0: a, is there an Xbox Live Silver? No, they got rid of that ages ago. Um, I thought it, they did. They, yeah. So why why call it why are you just why is it just not Xbox Live? What well, branding. Sorry, their branding is just what? I don't know what. Are you saying yeah. you've said about three different things to me, uh, variations of Game Pass, variations of Live. I've got no idea what any of it is. Just oh. charge me some money and give me a service.
1: I'm just going to have a quick look. So Xbox Live Gold, how much are they charging for that a month at the minute? tell you what, again, if you want to get a real idea of kind of where that company's headed, and it's just me kind of further proving the point that I've just been making if you google Xbox Live Gold and click on the top search result for Xbox Live Gold, it takes you to a website that is headed by Xbox Game Pass, upgrade Gold, go Ultimate, get all the benefits of Xbox Live Gold, plus over 100 high quality games for console, PC and Android, upgrade now and get three months, like gold is a hangover it needs to go and it, who knows maybe they're very smart people like they're, they're at the top of the business that they might see something that i don't maybe it is cool we'll keep doing this and keep trying to charge people for xbox live gold till they hate it so much that they won't feel sad when we take it away <laughs> <laughs> is it something like that i'm not sure And um, it seems like it's just a case
2: of if you, as a company, go, right, here's Xbox Live, we've got this new thing called Xbox Ultimate, um, we just get rid of Live, this is it now, right? A lot of people will kick back because they're being told no, right? They're like, no, you can't have the thing that you have, here's the new thing, this is what you have to get, right? Um, whereas it just seems like they're trying to wean people, right, in the sense of like, you've got Xbox Live, here's this great offer, which is slightly better than Xbox Live, but gives you the same, and I think their thought process is over time everyone will go on to ultimate and then when there's not as many people on live we can just kind of get rid of it without there being a big fuss about it right um I think it's a bit weird because they've recently changed as well like you can't buy a 12 month subscription um, anymore yeah. you could only do a six month which meant that they were actually making it more expensive because buying two, six months was more expensive than buying a 12 month. So they did one thing to already kind of increase the amount of money they kind of make from Xbox Live. Mm -hmm. And then obviously they've then tried to do another thing again to get a bit more money from Xbox Live. And yeah, it just, for most gamers like us, you know, We've got PlayStation Network Plus that we have to pay for. You've got Xbox Live or Xbox Ultimate that you've got to pay for, as well as, like, the Switch membership, which isn't mm-hmm. a huge amount, but, like, yeah, you still have to pay for it, um, as well as... Google Stadia. Y- you, Stadia? you there?
1: <laughs> or, or...
0: You'd be the only one. Uh...
2: <laughs> so, yeah, like, it all adds up, and it's that thing of if they are going to do, like... Game Pass Ultimate and Xbox Live have been around for long enough now that people know which is which. And I think mm. if they're trying to do the weaning tactic of it and slowly move people over, we've kind of reached that point now where if you haven't done it already, you just kind of need to rip off the Band-Aid and just be like, right, we whether you do what Tom said, which is to make it cheaper so it's the same price as Live and you get Ultimate, and at that point then, people just don't need to buy Live anymore. And if they later on down the line go, we're going to increase Xbox Ultimate a bit more... You know, to say, well, you are getting loads of new games as well as live access and all this other stuff, then I think people would be less insulted is probably the word I would use um, when that happens. Um, but yeah, annoyingly, though, one thing I, I was thinking about whilst we were talking about it is Xbox Game like Game Pass was really great when it first came out, right? Because they were like, you're going to get this game, this exclusive first title, you're going to get Crackdown when it comes out, you're going to get Sea of Thieves as soon as it comes out, you're going to get, there was like another title, as soon as it comes out, you get it straight away. Now, we're lacking those first party titles, which makes Game Pass the value that it is. You know, a lot of it is games that everyone's already kind of played before, or it's been on Game Pass for so long, and if you've looked at it and gone, no, I don't feel like playing it, in a couple of months' time, you're also going to look at it and go, nah, I don't feel like playing it, you know? Yeah, and the true. popular games that are on there, they rotate. They rotate out. So it's like, oh, well, we've put um, Red Dead on it for a bit, and now we've taken it off. Uh, oh, we put GTA on it, uh, but now we've taken that off. So it's a thing of, like, if they stayed on there, then people would know, well, that's great value for money because it's got all these great games on there that I'd like to go back and replay. But because they kind of fluctuate and come on and off, and there's no new Microsoft first-party title apart from Halo in Infinite Infinity. Yeah. Um, people are like, right, well, why am I paying for Game Pass Ultimate when there's nothing on there that I actually want to play?
0: It's a good argument actually, because I, I wonder whether the focus. Well, I think the focus originally was a bit more indie-focused on the games, and now they're all these first-party titles. I guess they're not; they're big draws, but they can't keep them on. They, I imagine, they can't afford to keep them on there all the time. Is why they rotate him out which then kind of defeats the point of having game pass so you're in this weird cycle of value or lack of value or perceived value yeah mm. uh, it's um i think um off the back of this story they they're gonna make halo infinite free online as well um i'm pretty sure they as part oh, okay. of that they said they're gonna yeah okay you know what
1: yeah Who's it's a bit up? you think as well, like there's a lot of cogs in the work with it. Was this something that was planned mm. a while ago? Was this was this something that's been in the pipeline for a while? Of cool, we'll bump Xbox Live Gold up because at that point, Halo Infinite will be out and people will be loving it and they'll want to be playing it. And it's not really panned out that way. Mm. Um, it's it's a weird one. I think their pricing structure at the minute it's because they're in they're in transition, you know. And I guess every company, or you know, your two big companies in Xbox and PlayStation are both in transition and trying to figure mm. it out it's a weird one like it's because it is every now and again game pass does grab me where like i've just downloaded control that's a game that came out last year that i didn't get a chance to play i'm like cool it's on game pass awesome um you know we got the pc downstairs we have got the xbox one in the living room and that's got you know me and my my partner and uh uh sort of housemates all their accounts are on there so we can go in and we can just play whatever which is awesome but um yeah i think it, it doesn't address the bigger problem that xbox clearly have and To be fair, they've made a point of going, cool, we don't have a lot of exclusive games. We need to go and buy these studios. And they've bought studios en masse. So there is going to be a point, I think, probably... It might almost benefit them that they had to delay Halo. It would have hurt the Xbox Series X launch, but actually, in very quick succession, they could turn around and say, cool, here's Halo Infinite, here's um, Hellblade Senua's Sacrifice 2, which is now exclusive. Here is a bunch of Bethesda games that you can play a week early, on um Xbox because they can't afford to make those exclusive. Here's a fable game coming, like, you know, here's the new Forza game. They are gonna hit a point where they start rolling these games out really thick and fast. I think that's probably gonna be late this year, next year. And the problem that you're gonna have is that's gonna happen at the same time that PlayStation turn around and go, here's the new Horizon Zero Dawn. Here's the new uh, here's the new God of War game. They've announced now that Ghost Tsushima developers Sucker Punch are working on a PS five equivalent, which I think is probably going to look very similar to what Kosushima was, because they've clearly sussed that, yeah, we can kind of iterate on this stuff, because this tech is really incredible.
3: Mm.
1: Uh, whatever Kojima is working on, you know, it's Death Stranding kind of came and went in a, a weird blur, because it felt like that... When I think back, it sort of feels like that game took forever to come out, but also came out almost immediately. And I don't remember which... I think it came out in a relatively reasonable span of time, but because it's that game by that guy, and they pushed it so much that it felt longer. Mm. But yeah, it's I, they're going to be fine, but they've got to be careful with what they're doing, because at the minute, they're in a position where they're flying the flag as the consumer-friendly company, and PlayStation are comfortably going, hey, we're not friendly, we're not horrible, we're winning. <laughs> like, <laughs> they just chill, you know, you know like, they, we that's, do whatever, man. That's because yeah. they're just getting on
0: with it. They're not trying yeah. to, you know... They... You know, arguably, you could say the same to Nintendo. Nintendo are the bad guys in a lot of time, but they're still doing all right. They're still making yeah. games. They're still selling switches. So, just get on with it. Stop trying to pan. You know, they, I'd I'd have I'd have been more impressed if Xbox had just changed the prices and stuck with it and gone You know what? This is part of our strategy. We have a plan. Let's just go with it. And they should just stuck with it. I mean, people have just gone. Oh, you know what? I have to pay an extra couple of quid. I'm going to do it. I don't have it, but I'm going to do it. You this know. is what.
1: Has frustrated right. me so much about this story. Is I agree with you. They've got to they've got to figure out what their vision is for Xbox going forward, and they've got to double down and stick to it. Right, mm-hmm. like Xbox now is at a weird place where, on one hand, I have a machine in my house, but on the other hand, it's a launcher on my PC, the same as Steam and Epic and, and whatever else. They need to work out what the future is, and they do need to like they should have had the balls to turn around and go, yeah, it's more expensive. Why? It's really good value. Well, it's not because Game Pass is only a couple of quid. So yeah, get Game, Game Pass. Pass, yeah, because <laughs> that's, that's, yeah. that that was obviously the drive here. Mm-hmm. Like you're going up from. So I had a look. It's normally six ninety nine a month for Xbox Live Gold, or ten ninety nine for Game Pass Ultimate, which has all of Game Pass for PC and for console and for mobile. Eventually, that will include browser gaming as well, based on cloud stuff. And it includes Xbox Live Gold. You can't argue the fact that it's disgustingly good value for money. So have the balls to go, "Oh, seven pounds is a lot when I can get all this for 11 pounds. Well, what's the three pounds? It's a cup of coffee. Just get Game Pass. Like, what do you think we're trying to do here? I feel like you're trying to turn me away from Xbox Live and get they me should. on Game Pass. We are. It, <laughs> yeah, they should have just done that. They yeah. should have just learned into it. But you know what? All well, the balls would have just been to go, cool, we're already offering anyone that's on Xbox Live Gold, we're offering you three months free Game Pass for a pound. So instead, we're going to swallow that one pound cost. If you're on Xbox Live Gold right now, as of next week, you're a Game Pass subscriber. You have three months to downgrade that or to cancel that or to move to console only or whatever. But if you're Xbox Live Gold at the minute, you're Game Pass Ultimate within a week. And that's it. And if you want to change your mind, change your mind. Because what's... Don't get me wrong. On the scale that they are, a pound for all of their Game Pass users is probably a huge sum of money. But <laughs> <Yeah>. not enough. <laughs> you know, It does scale where you're like, well, if it's not going to cost them anything to do it anyway, a pound from every Xbox user is probably huge. But it just feels like they're, it, this weird transitionary point. Like PlayStation made it so clear. Nintendo did the same with the Switch where they were like, cool, we're done with the old shit. We're moving on. Like, I think PlayStation came out publicly and, and they made a point of saying, we believe in transitional console generations. That's the thing. Mm-hmm. We're going to do our best to make things backwards compatible, but we believe in new hardware and that's what we're going with. Yeah. Xbox keeps doing that. Uh, yeah, well, you the, know. It, this, this,
0: is, this is the Microsoft's... Sorry, we've, got, we've gone off on a tangent here. But it's not like us to go off on a tangent. Microsoft's, <laughs> Microsoft's, Microsoft's vision is all about how do we keep people locked into our systems? And they think the way, the way to do it is to make sure that their game collections can transition over. Do you know what? Remember all the hoo-ha about PS3 backwards compatibility with PS2? The PS2 had one of the largest libraries of games around and the first generation of the PS2 or PS3 sorry had that built in and then they just phased it out and no one blinked. No one said anything, everyone's like, yeah, we we don't really use it. Because they don't, because it is a it is a you know, a step change, it should be a step change, otherwise what's the point? And I maybe some maybe maybe they have experts at Xbox who know better and they're going, No, this is not how it's gonna be, but I kinda know. It doesn't seem like that. Everyone wants
1: that Netflix money. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, Speaking of uh, copious amounts of money, uh, this is a weird story where I had to go to the Financial Times and dig in and do research on what some of these phrases (laughs) were. So GameStop... What what is this article? I have no idea. It's really hard to process. Um, So essentially, GameStop Who are obviously the the big guys in kind of video game retail in the U.S. Their shares dipped and dived hugely over the last week or so, which sounds weird because surely shares only go up or down when something happens, and nothing can happen because they don't have any open stores. And it's a whole thing. So someone will no doubt jump in and correct me and say you're not a financial advisor. I'll be like, trust me. I can show you my credit rating i'm not (laughs) from (laughs) from what i understand it's a company called citron research and they are they're, they're they're short sellers right so what they do is they loan stocks at short rates with the intention of then going cool we're going to wait for those stocks to go up we're going to sell those stocks back and when we sell those stocks for money we then pay the loan back and we pocket the difference right so they buy low they sell it on they give the money back to the company that they loaned it off and then they pocket the difference. And that's how they make their money, which when shares are going up and down, especially at the minute is an interesting one. And it's a weird time. I'm sure if you're a stockbroker to kind of be going, all these companies' stocks are through the floor. So you can buy them really low, I guess now. And if you can loan those shares at a really low rate, wait for the economy to recover, sell them at an inflated rate when the economy does recover, pay off the loan that you took out to originally buy the stock and you pocket the difference. There's a lot of money. I think one of the I don't know if it was a CEO or sorry Andrew left who's the founder of Citroen so he came up publicly and was like cool don't buy GameStop shits it's it's dead it's a dead shit like yes they're really low right now but the difference is you can't buy them low sell them and turn over profit because they're not going to go up essentially was what he was saying Mm -hmm. to which Reddit and the force of the internet went hey fuck you, you can make money on GameStop <laughs> shares, which then obviously made everybody go, well, is it a yes or is it a no? And in response, people were just buying and selling GameStop shares based on what was the internet saying, buy, 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 and then this Andrew Left guy's going, it's dead stock, so then it's dipping. Their shares are still up as of pretty much, I think, January the 22nd, 23rd, right? So... It looked like they were sitting pretty low around about the 19th. All of this happened. The shares spiked around January the 22nd. They then took a little bit of a dip afterwards, but they haven't dropped to the low value that they were at before. (laughs) The internet's managed to manipulate the stock market and somehow inflated the value of GameStop shares. Not only a GameStop, a video game retailer that I think is always going to struggle. Every retailer is struggling. Plus, there's the kind of the digital age and what's happening to game sh- uh, video game retail in general. It's so bizarre. It's so I, odd. It's so weird. I
0: I can't ever claim to have ever understood how stock the stock market works. You know, people are buying imaginary bits of a company at imaginary prices because these prices are just they're random. They're based on supply and demand, right? So. Someone's created an artificial demand for these stocks, so the price has gone up. It's completely. This goes to show how broken the system is. The financial system is just like what? Well, that doesn't make any sense to me. I just don't understand it. And yeah, they use language like, they that's the the guy Citron. They they made a bet against it against the stock. Was, it, was that the phrasing they used? What was it something like that? Um da-da-da-da. I mean, but the fact that they're talking about gambling—this is what it is—is is gambling essentially. You're gambling on the price going up after you bought it at a low price. That's yeah. Anyway, I don't know. Kerry, do you have anything to say on that? Because I don't really have anything more to say other than what.
2: <laughs> um, so from what I know of, obviously, like stocks and shares and stuff, uh, it's very little. Uh, but it's just a case of you know these companies that go public um, with their company. And it's that sense of you can pay a certain amount of money to have like a certain percentage of what the kind of company makes, mm-hmm. really. Um, and then obviously, if the company makes more money, then obviously per stock goes up in money. Um, so if the business does really well and you know, their stocks go up by like four times the amount, you can decide, yeah, I feel that they've reached a peak, Um I'm going to take my, you know, sell my stock onto somebody else who thinks that it might go up more in price uh, and then I can put my stock somewhere else. So, yeah, the the closest thing I would say to it from my understanding would be is a bit of gambling, really. You know, you see a horse, you've got five pound on you. You're like, I think this horse is going to win the race. Uh, You come back with 20 pounds. Cool. Am I going to carry on gambling it on that horse? Or am I going to go find a different horse on a different race and start putting my 20 pound on that, you know? and i i think this story the main thing to get from it is that it's just hilarious that this big ceo person has gone don't do this it's a waste of money don't bother and they've gone no i don't like you i'm gonna do the exact opposite and then obviously it's just blown up that that
0: that is actually quite a good way of looking at actually this isn't about the understanding of gambling and stocks and stuff this is about the fact that the internet make made it they broke the stock exchange or they made
1: it work better i don't know that's that's what kind of that's why i wanted to put it in right is i think it's i think it's a little bit sad and a little bit telling of GameStop's position that at this point they are this you could swap GameStop stop out with any other company right the mm-hmm. fact that it's video games probably means it's slightly more internet inclined but they are kind of being toyed with by the stock market because they're they're struggling the way that they are but yeah, it's, it's, that's what got me, is the idea that with all of the shares and people gambling on shares and making millions and losing millions and all this, that, and the other, essentially a guy went, these are bad stocks, you're not going to make money, and the internet just went, well, your mom's a hoe.
3: <laughs> that, that was their response.
1: And I mean, so just to read this paragraph, so this is off of a Financial Times article, as we always do, it will be in the links and stuff, so you can go and find the article there. But just, it's hard for me to even process what this sentence means, but it kind of puts into context a little bit, which is, so Friday's rally, which is when the internet went rogue and decided to bump the, the kind of share prices up. The internet went Friday's rogue. rally sent the shares to a high above $76, giving the company a market capitalization above $4 billion, roughly three times the $1.3 billion price tag it enjoyed at the end of 2020. They ended the day at $65. So they just inflated the valuation of this company massively, just, just to, to prove a point. But actually, the fallout is from a shareholder perspective or from the company's perspective, I guess they've got to be sitting there go, well, we weren't at $65 in the first place. So I guess we're worth more than we were. Like it's hilarious, but actually the, the shares are more valuable than they were before all this happened. Um, yeah, yeah, I just thought it was funny. It was something that I just couldn't not mention. But as soon as I dropped it into our docket and said that we're going to talk about it, I was like, oh shit, I got to learn what shares <laughs> is. Uh, like it's something that to this day like through my through my day job part of I kind of perk packages if we you know we get shares and stuff um I can't go into too much detail on it but it's something that I get as part of kind of the benefits through work and I still don't really understand how it works I'm just like cool so this is money right and they're like yeah okay <laughs> <You> know, like, <laughs> really don't that. it's
2: like Every- being a five-year-old and being given a gift card and you're like what is this <laughs>
1: And the, but there's like people that I work with that are really good at it where I'm like, so what is, explain it to me. And they'll spend 15 minutes. I'm like, I don't understand. I don't know any of what you just said. None of this is logical to me. Um, but yeah, what? I hope GameStop's okay. That's <laughs> that's my take. That's away. your take. Yeah, we'll do that. That's my yeah. takeaway. Um, you know, I hope they can benefit because I guess the other thing as well is theoretically if their share price has gone up, I don't really know what that does for shareholders en masse or what that does to the company's position, but If they're more valuable now than they were at the end of 2020, that's got to give them some sense of leeway, right? To try and help themselves out a little bit or maybe get bought out by a bigger company. I don't know. Yeah. Um, Oh, don't go Sorry
2: uh i was just gonna say because like obviously all these people buying shares in the company will mean that gamestop will have that money to be able to then invest where they kind of want it to go um so in the sense of i know that with a lot of retailers they will you know let's say when you come to like christmas time they will think of like i say schemes as in good for the customer, not as in they're scheming. They'll think of like schemes in the store that will allow the company to have a bit more money before going into like a Christmas period. So they can use all that money to buy the stock for the store because obviously during a Christmas period, they need more of that stock, right? So, um, to give an example, let's say they, um, do a reward system where you pay for it and then you get like extra points back okay that's like an idea of where you kind of get a bit of money then you're still giving something back to the customer but then that money then gets put aside to buy stock ready for christmas that's just like a rough idea um so that's something that gamestop now have like yeah, you know, the advantage to do whereas they yeah. could have been at a point where they're like well you know we've been quite low on money at the moment we haven't been able to stock in you know, new stuff that we're wanting to sell we're kind of sitting on loads of old stock now that they've had like a load of money kind of pumped into it they could look to either buy different stock look to do different services or you know look to you know renovate stores and stuff like that go for a different brand image and try and like you know bring some more money back into the company. Mm -hmm. So it could be a good thing for it. The only thing is though, is that if it is just a bit of a Reddit meme and people have put money in and then they're just going to sell their stocks later on and then stock shares go down again, then it's a bit of a case of like, ah, well, it made a bit of the media, but it hasn't actually like stuck. Um, And then the only other thing I can think of is there were probably people who had GameStop shares, and they were panicking, and like, oh, I'm just like about to lose all this money on these GameStop shares. <laughs> yeah. And now they've just gone up through the roof. They're probably like, right, gone, 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 gone. So, yeah, so I wouldn't be surprised if there does go like a dip. Um There will be. Uh But, yeah, like. There will be. There will be. Yeah, hopefully it's the good side of it and they can just go, cool, this money's still here. We could do great things now for the company and hopefully it just kind of revamps it up, um, especially now even, that we're in new gen consoles.
1: Yeah, I was gonna blend, next gen was going to be my thing is even if that floats them until supply is there for PlayStation 5 and Sony can start keeping up and they can shift more hardware units, that that would be good to see, right? Because who knows? Maybe, maybe there's something. Maybe it's a bit of a lifeline for
2: them. yeah.
1: Um, do oh, you know what guys these transitions right I, I should probably do the transition and then boast about it speaking of lifeline right a film that probably needs a bit of a lifeline at this point <laughs> oh, <laughs> look, at no. look
3: at that look
2: at that yeah, I feel like um, you touched on enchanted territory there mate oh no
1: he didn't he didn't open out, no. no. out of the window it's done he's a podcast Kieran wins uh, <laughs> so um Uncharted has been a weird one where we reported on it going into production because it's been in production hell for years. Then there was a picture of Tom Holland on set. Then there was a picture that Tom Holland, I think, put up saying, cool, we're done filming. And I was like, (laughs) you just started filming. What do you mean? Um, It happened really, really quickly. The film's now been delayed. Which isn't surprising, no, all things surprising. considered. Um, so there's a Verge article that I kind of I've got up here, but it's been covered in E Weekly and Variety and stuff as well, all your normal movie business stuff. So um, you're looking at even things like James Bond, which has obviously really struggled to get a proper release because the film is done; they just don't know how to sell it and how to make their money back on it. And things uh, Ghostbusters, which is obviously another massive, huge property that's mm-hmm. been delayed as well. So Uncharted has been delayed. We don't really know until when. 2022 is what they're saying. Um, I don't know. I don't know if it is just a release thing. It feels like it could be either or. Like, it could just be cool. They don't know when to release it. They're going to wait till after Corona and try and get it in cinemas because they were relying on it being a big cinema push. I I have a suspicion that it could be dressed up like that, but actually, the fact that it was such a short shoot and it happened so quickly might point to Potentially production issues, potentially a lot more post-work than they initially planned. Um, I don't know.
0: For, for, uh, you probably know this better than I do, but from what I understand, it's quite normal post during the post-production process for there to be reshoots. So I wonder whether that's the, They've gone, look, we're going to have to reshoot some of this. We can't right now because yeah. we, we know. Potentially, yeah, so, I, I think, as part of the post-production.
1: Yeah, I think reshoots is something you want to try and avoid if you can, right? Course, like you end yeah. up with a horrible fan four stick situation where. Um, Did you just I call remember... it fan four stick? Is that is yeah, that? I don't recognise it as a Fantastic Four movie. The Fantastic Four deserve better. Uh, it's called fan four stick, and it's a stupid knockoff film. That is um... one of the
0: worst. It is one of the worst. <laughs> I I can't believe how an awful, such an awful film that is.
1: It's just sorry. Like, off my there's bits in that where if you pause and you look close enough, you can see the woman that. Um, that plays the invisible woman like she's wearing a wig because she dyed her hair and they did her hair and then they have to reshoot she's like i'm a redhead again now i'm doing another movie are you in it with a henry cavill situation right with a weird uh, (laughs)
3: so
1: i think you want to try and avoid reshoots the fact that it was so quick in how it shot initially to me like it's a weird double-edged sword of it could be really underestimated it or it could be shit they're really on it like they've got this down to a t they know exactly what they're doing here they are in and out with their shooting um
0: i think it's hard to say so, at this point
1: yeah it's hard to say i think sci-fi elements that kind of come or not so sci- yeah yeah, kind of sci- fantasy, sci-fi again mystery really. elements fantasy elements mystery. that come with the chat it might point to kind of post-production where they go cool this needs a lot of post production time we need to fix a lot here in post we're going to take our time with it there's no rush because there's no cinema to launch this movie in. Um, but yeah, we always like getting a film and movie. I don't, I don't know if you've ever come across a queue. And every single week on the podcast, there's something film and TV, TV related yeah. for the first year that we ran. So now we just have a segment. And every now and again, you get a point where you're like, shit, there's no news. Uh, we've got to try and find a story <laughs> together. <laughs> yeah, especially uh, with it being quieter now, right? Because yeah. I right? see films
2: yeah. and stuff.
0: Oh, My... one... Sorry, go on.
2: Uh, I was going to say, my take on it, right? So, obviously, they want cinemas to be open to help push the film out, right? But in my mind, this might just be me as a person, right? I would actually just like these films to come out and for me to go, do you know what? I'm just going to buy it digitally, download it onto my thing, and I could be like, cool, let's have a movie night. And it's not a film that I've already seen or whatever, I could just go, cool. The new James Bond film came out today. Let's get a load of like snacks and stuff, sit down and we'll watch it together. You know? Whilst we're in lockdown, we can't leave our homes. I'd much rather have that to do as like an evening. Like, you know, that for me would be quite right. a cool sorry, uh, a cool norm to have once every like couple of weeks or once a month or so on. Um I know that stuff like HBO, HBO have their own like streaming service and they've had like a load of films go up on there. Um, I think that's great and obviously you know people can pay that monthly subscription and see a lot of films Um, but yeah I part of me I would love to know more about how much money they make from just the cinemas themselves compared to just like if they weren't open how many digital sales they might get from people actually downloading the film Um,
1: it's a a weird balance to get right I know that's been the big big problem with Bond right is that they've made it pretty clear like cool we were going to make this much in cinemas like because it's it's never a sure thing right like you could always get a film that comes out on bombs but generally with these bigger than ever kind of properties like your james bonds and even think like remembering the suicide squad made an absolute killing at the box office despite it being garbage like you can get those films up to money if it's a big brand and a big property they made pretty clear with bond like cool this is how much we want we wanted to make this much in cinemas we can't We'll sell this to your platform. And they reportedly went to everyone. They went to Amazon Prime. They went to Netflix. They went to Apple but like Apple TV because they were going to sell it to Apple so they could have it on there, which I remember thinking at the time, is there a more perfect platform for that film to be on where Apple have just launched a new TV platform? They've got money coming out of their ears. They can afford to buy a Bond. And generally, I think your blonde clientele are probably people that are comfortable spending a bunch of money on an iPad so they can watch a Bond movie. It's kind of perfect, right? and all of these companies were like no like we're not spending that much even though it's a it's a done deal and the film is finished we're not buying it off you and i think it's everyone's having to make adjustments but the movie industry in particular has been so stubborn for such a long time we launched this way doing this thing and that's that they've been so anti sort of They've been anti-streaming. They've been pro-cinema because they know the box office is a big deal. They know that it makes them a lot of money. They make it harder and harder for a lot of cinemas. Not to turn this whole podcast into a movie podcast, but they, they try so hard to get as much money out of cinema as they can to the point where cinemas basically make money on food. They don't make money on tickets anymore, really. Mm-hmm. So it is a big, big pool of funding. And I think realistically, the money that they expect to get at box office is so far flung from the reality of what these streaming companies are going to pay when they can turn around and go, why would we spend $600 million on buying a finished James Bond film, when we could spend that much money on making three of our own films, right? Like $200 million is your reported budget for things like an Avengers movie. That's three Mm. massive blockbuster scale movies that you could have and you could launch on Netflix and drive Mm. subscribers and stuff. So it's just not realistic. And I think that could be another part of it is it could just be Sony and PlayStation sitting there going, cool, I think Sony, there was another story going around with um, Sony saying, yeah, Uncharted is coming, The Last of Us is coming, it's not a one-off thing. Like, PlayStation have had the idea of TVs and movies being a big part of their business for a long time, like they tried it with PlayStation TV and stuff. So it's it's part of a bigger picture for PlayStation. They're obviously not investing hundreds of millions of dollars into it the way that a Disney is. You know, that's not their market. They're not in that mind space. So they're probably more equipped than anyone else to sit back and go, Wow, if they can't sell a Bond movie, we'll probably take our time. We'll probably chill. Like we've got people spending money on Uncharted elsewhere. It's fine. So um yeah, it, it's an interesting story. I think it's like video game adaptations, especially when PlayStation Studios who are used to be SIE, they are the first party kind of company that develop, you know, your first party PlayStation games generally. They are heavily involved in the production of the TV and film stuff as well. So, it's a weird one where, like, they can lean on either one. Like, cool, we've got a down period with video games for a little bit. Fine. cinemas are open again. We'll push out a film and cinemas and we'll work on the movie bit. They can swing, I guess, a little bit more. So, it'll be interesting to see. I guess the main thing is they need to make sure it's good. (laughs) Like, that's still up in the air, you know? Very true. Very true. Who knows? Who knows? Um... That's it for our movie and TV news. Um, Retro news, there wasn't a huge amount. I I had a bit of a dig around. Um, I I chucked it in because I thought it might be a relatively interesting place to talk, but we may just all not have an opinion on it. Um, Capcom vs. SNK is coming to the Neo Geo Collection, which is available on the Switch. Have either of you two played any of the Neo Geo Collection classic games on Switch? Yep, me neither. Uh, (laughs) There's that one. Uh, And then Mass Effect 2... um, a little bit of news that came out thinking about it logically it's kind of there i know will brought it up as well but i there was news around mass effect 2 which isn't retro but kind of is now if you think about it which is a little bit horrifying to say so 11 PS4 years game. ago 11 yeah. years ago tom that's over a decade ago yeah i was not staring down the barrel of 30 when i played that game the first time <laughs> um and now i am and i'm a grayer man for it um So there's an interesting bit of news. I guess it's an interesting one to kind of look on and reflect as well, because you'd think that we've come a long way in 11 years, and I think we have. But um, So Jack, who's one of the kind of characters and one of the, not player characters, but one of your party characters in Mass Effect 2, she was initially kind of posed to be sort of pansexual um, and to really kind of blur lines of, I think, sexuality and gender and stuff in the game initially. Um, And after a whole bunch of Fox News pressure, they sort of u-turned on it and decided not to go that way and and not pull the plug at it completely i don't think i don't remember jack being particularly uh like a sexuality it wasn't particularly discussed and think they just sort of steered away from that conversation um but it's an interesting reflection i think considering last year we saw i'm still adamant and i will always i will always make <coughs> a point of saying that i think a lot of the hate and venom that the last of us 2 got for example. Yes, a lot of it is from people not being happy with the way that the game has come. A lot of people are just homophobic and transphobic and just kind of scammy and don't appreciate it. But the fact that studios are now willing to go, we don't care, like, we're telling these stories either way. Mm-hmm. Maybe a bit of a positive light. I don't know if either of you had a, an opinion on that one at all.
0: No, um, I do think it's a reflection on how power has swayed to the games industry over traditional media because uh, you know, in some parts of the world, the games industry makes more than... Traditional media and music combined, you know, it's. Uh, well, it does here, right? Yeah, it does here. Yeah, uh, yeah. Film, the, bigger than the film and music industry combined. So, you know, when you look, when you're actually uh, an executive at top of a company, you're like, wait a second, why are we pandering to uh, uh, mass opinion <laughs> when <laughs> actually <laughs> we are the mass opinion? You know, Pardon yeah. pun, there, You see what I did? Mass opinion. <laughs> oh my God! It's yeah.
1: disgusting here this week. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, <laughs> uh, and I'll leave it at that uh, cool so uh, that's a little bit of news um, but I think that's it for the news this week uh, we're going a little bit long as well I think we uh, really got bogged down in, in Financial Times article <laughs> uh, the financial implications of cinema post-Covid um, what we'll do to get ourselves back on track um, he's a man that always keeps everybody on track it's what he does, it's what DMs do uh, we're going to hand it over to Scott for this week's Tales from the
3: Tabletop. Good evening, folks. Welcome back to another episode of Scott's Tales from the Tabletop. Uh, This evening, we are gonna carry on from our previous video and pick up our topics around what I feel makes a great session zero. So the first topic that we tackled um, in our overview last last week, was uh, player experience. Now, I've experienced this, to want to use the term, on both ends of the spectrum. So as a brand new player, having only a vague idea as to what Dungeons & Dragons, or end, indeed tabletop roleplay games, actually is, to having, I would say, a fair amount of experience now Um, Not as much as some of the veterans of the the hobby, as I'm sure people appreciate, but a, a fair bit of experience now of having run Session Zeros and played through Session Zeros as a character. So just to remind you, a Session Zero is usually undertaken at the beginning of a campaign where all players, whether they are new or experienced, will sit down and will, with at least one experienced member of the party or the Games Master, establish what a character is, generate a character. Now, it's important to note as a player, or any fact a player or a games master for your session zero, that everybody's level of experience is different, everybody's level of understanding is different, and everybody's style of learning is different. And I think it's factoring in that that happy balance between styles and learning methods being different some players some new players may just quite happily be be happy to be given the character sheet and given the source books and sort of told you know what go go and get on with it you know this is this is what you need this is what a rough idea of what my campaign is go crack on with it i think It's important to recognise as a session zero that ultimately, as your games master or whether a new player, everybody should be open and approachable. I think we've all more than likely had an experience, certainly some of the veterans in the hobby, where they've sat down with a table of players and immediately thought, no, this isn't for me because of X, Y or Z, potentially toxic individuals. It's not what you're looking for. But if you do have people like that in your group, a solid Session Zero can set out and avoid those aims. If you as a games master or a player are able to sort of sit down at Session Zero and think, right, I want to get this out of a campaign. I don't understand this. I need some support with that. It sets the stall out for everybody so they know what to expect of the Session Zero and to expect from the campaign as a whole. I think experience levels with Dungeons & Dragons differ vastly or in fact, tabletop roleplay games differ vastly. You'll have some people who will have have full knowledge of it, have played it before or, or seen it on the sidelines before. They may have even played different different tabletop RPG systems. Um, they may have had limited exposure to it through popular TV programs. They even might, in some cases, have had a friend many moons ago back at school who wasn't in the cool crowd who played it and sort of said to them, yeah, look, you know, I think you should give this a try. And for some unknown reason, they bypassed it at school um, or bypassed it as part of their friendship group. And now later on, I'm thinking, actually, uh, yeah, okay, you're going to give that a go uh, and, and be lucky to pick it back up again. Well, look, everybody's got limited versions of exposure. They might have watched a couple of films. They might have picked up Lord of the Rings. Uh, they might have picked up uh, some Firefly or something like that, and thought to themselves, huh, "Okay, like this, I'd I'd love to, you know, I'd love to be these people. I'd love to give this a go." And somebody at work, somebody in the friendship social social you know group, social uh, people, so their friends might have, said, well, look, we play this. This is what this is. Do you fancy dropping along? So you might find that you've got a complete and utter new to tabletop RPG person in your group. Please be kind to those people. Please be kind to that person. Please allow them to go through the tropes and the usual cliches of, oh, I I kind of want to play a dwarf warrior with an axe. Or I kind of want to play an elven ranger. Or, you know, those type of things where inevitably you fall into the trap of, this sounds cool because I've seen this in, in a television programme or I've got an inspiration from a book series that I might have read. Great. That is where that person starts off in Tabletop RPG. That's where they start picking it up. You might have, you know, these people might have not actually played any and not have sat down a session, but they might be avid fans of something like Critical Role, for example, or a podcast, or they might have seen some friends, you know, they might have seen, picked up some of the, the games that are out there from Fumble folks. Uh, at the moment, they might have seen some role quests. You know, There could be umpteen dozen different things that they might have stumbled across that sort of given them an idea of, I'd really like to play this. But what people forget is that the, the PDs people don't necessarily, you know, these new players, these new to tabletop RPGs, this new to game system individuals don't really understand the mechanics as to, you know, what goes behind that um, and, and to how to get to the stage where that character is sort of picked up. And realised, you know, they don't necessarily understand the math behind it, or the you know the steps and the process. Like it's like I mentioned earlier on in the podcast tonight. You've got the people who might just be happy to be given the book, but you also have the people who really need to really need to, and and I think in all cases should at least be sat down with the games master or an experienced player and go right, okay, what what is it you want to do? Do you know what's available? What's there for you? I think. Walking through a character with the person for the first time out is great. Even if it's not the one they should inevitably decide they want to use, let's you know, let's 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 walk through a dummy character. Let's let's go from A to, to C to D so that the character's ready to play and then go, right, okay, are you happy with this or would you like to try your own? And there are loads of different options. You know, it it, it also, I think more importantly than anything else, and most importantly, allows those people are those individuals to feel part of the group. If the whole group does it together, it's really great for those people to sort of have a bonding exercise and to understand, okay, who are people within the group that they might be able to lean on for experience? Who are the people that they might think to themselves, actually, these people have a lot of experience, but we don't necessarily have the same sort of viewpoints on things. Okay, that'll create some interesting interactions. It also, for your games master, picks up on the different dynamics within the group. It's an incredibly useful bonding exercise for the games master to be able to sit down and see who naturally gravitates to who, what type of characters people are gonna get out so that they can slightly tailor or, or write individual encounters into their story, their antagonists, the protagonists, non-player characters. A player character, for example, might have a, a deep, and, deep and meaningful secret. Okay, great, we all love those. You know, whatever gods you worship, Uh, you know, I've played those type of characters. I've got a secret. uh, And it's a a secret that only the Games Master knows unless an NPC rocks up from the same village and goes, hang on a minute, didn't you kill? And the Games Master has the opportunity to work that out or a a secret or a quest or something or a MacGuffin that ties all of these characters in together. Um, And I think for new players learning the ropes, session zeros are so important specifically for that. I've rambled this evening. I've lost the point uh, at least once that I can think of. But ultimately, showing new players the ropes is probably the most important part of the session zero. Not only the session zero, but through the entirety of the campaign. The last words that I would give any new player for Dungeons and Dragons or any, in fact, any tabletop role playing system is there is no such thing as a stupid question if you're sat there thinking it or your games master or experienced player has explained something and you haven't understood it you're probably not the only person you're you're more than likely in fact you're not the only person sat around the table who hasn't understood it or wants to ask it or has at some point asked for clarification on that question ask your question you know there is no right or wrong answer please ask it because if you don't ask it it will only lead to frustration and you will, you will feel as though nobody took the time to explain it to you. It is highly important that if you're not sure, ask. You know, I think as a tabletop role-playing game, as a social hobby, this is the most accepting forum for people who have never played it before to sort of welcome people in and say, right, you want to try this? Fantastic. Come sit at our table. Come and play this. Because any tabletop role play game player will immediately be able to tell you They're always looking for players. Well, you know, I want to meet on Tuesday. Great. Well, you've got my sword. Okay, I I can meet on Tuesday. Well, you've got my axe. Oh, you need my bow, but Tuesday's not great for me. Like, please make sure that you always ask these questions. Don't shy away and then not go back. Um, That's this part of this podcast. I'm going to hand back over to the guys now to carry on with the rest of the segments. And next week, we will be picking up on... Uh, tuning in to make sure that everyone's on the same wavelength house rules but most importantly hard and soft limits take it easy folks hope you enjoy amazing thank you so much scott
1: uh thank you so much am um, cool so off the back of uh, scott's segment we're going to do what we always do which is going to go from scott into our talking point for this week Amazing. So our talking point for this week kind of spins off a bit of news that I guess we could have dropped into the news, the top stories section, but I I think there's a bigger conversation um, to have. So essentially, we spotted this article uh, that came up on the BBC website uh, about an esports player uh, who's actually had to retire at a relatively young age, right? He's 25. Mm -hmm. Um, He's had to retire because of, I think it's some kind of RSI related injury uh, with his thumbs which I know at the crux of it, sounds like a ridiculous story. Guy stops playing video games because hurt thumb. But I think the talking point that we wanted to cover, especially because we have Kieran as well, and I know that, Kieran, you, you have interests around esports and stuff um, as well, is, is the way that this has been covered, where we looked at it like, no, this guy's had an injury. He's had to retire from his sport, and it's being covered on the BBC as if any other athlete has been injured. It's not done as a novelty piece. It's not done ironically. It's not done patronizingly it's taken it seriously and that's happening more and more right like we're seeing esports and esports athletes i know people still have issues with them being called athletes but esports players and esports athletes being treated quite rightly so as as professionals the way that they are yeah i
0: i heard this, i actually heard this very same story um read on the radio, bbc radio Six's music station that same day we saw the article um, I found I found the tone of the article or the way it's been portrayed varying. The general gist seems to be: um, at first, it's like, ah, here yeah, this guy he's injured himself playing you know playing video games, and then kind of like this outpouring of professional support from various other esports in you know people and people in the industry, and then suddenly there's this tone shift that is kind of like, well, this is a serious article actually. This guy is a an athlete, uh, so to speak, an esports athlete, and. Uh, yeah, and and then now when you look at when you look at the article or the, the story uh, across different sites and different, the, the tone is generally like respectful. At first, it seemed like it was a little bit of a piss take, but actually, I think they've realised. You know what? This is it, the the fact is the fact that it comes down to is it, it's being covered in mainstream media, um, and you know when you say mainstream media, you mean not the gaming press. It's uh, yeah, it's quite. I think it's it's um. It's big news uh, and it goes back to what I was saying earlier about uh, the fact that the games industry is worth a lot more these days than most other industries and should deserves to be covered in a serious way I don't know
2: um so yeah I had like a quick like read through and stuff um I can't say like um I watch like a bit of like eSports I can't say that I've personally watched the guy and you know watch a lot of like um competitive Um, Call of Duty Um, I think what I normally watch is I'll watch like a load of people who are playing Warzone and I'll watch some of the best you know the best players on that Um, and Warzone doesn't have too much of like an esports community um, mainly because there's like no anti-cheat and it's quite hard to do esports oriented game in a map of 150 people and so on it's a really kind of like kind of complicated, who can get the most kills and and so on. So, um, but obviously this person would be playing more like multiplayer, kind of like um, search and destroy type deal for, for Call of Duty. And yeah, like I agree, like a couple of years ago, if this was to be posted, I think people would slate it. Yeah. They would just be like, what on earth is this? He's hurt his fun, big whoop, like whatever. Whereas, you know, this is this person's career, you know? They've probably played it from a very young age. So let's say, even if they ignore the whole eighteen you know, rating or whatever, yeah, they've probably spent a good like ten to fifteen years maybe playing Call of Duties, right? And that is that's their life. That's what they've grown up doing. And you know, this person is obviously quite known in esports as well. So he's yeah, probably yeah. been in the esports scene for a good you know couple of years. Could be like five years that he's been playing. Um, and now because of something that he can't really control. He can't control, you know, a problem with his thumb. That's probably just genetic. You know, he has to stop doing, you know, what he loves to do. Um What I would say is that what normally happens in these situations is that if he's a very experienced person, if he's quite charismatic, he can go to casting, he can go to, you know, research, writing articles. he can go to coaching. He can go to just working behind the scenes among the games, working with games companies, helping Mm -hmm. develop future games. So there's definitely lots that this person could do. It's not the end all be all. It's not like you're Cristiano Ronaldo and you just lost both your legs. Yeah. Right.
0: should be but, awful by the way Just like which would
2: be awful <laughs> yeah i don't wish that upon yeah uh, <laughs> um, but yeah i think it's nice to see as you're saying mainstream media taking this a bit more you know seriously and it's you know i think you know, to kind of come in with like a little bit of a you know, a joke I think all the time when you were kids it, a parent would easily make the joke of like oh you know your thumb's not working or or you've got your square eyes that's why you can't do it anymore like you know that would have been something that would have been joked about um but as you can see this person had like a lot of people who were like you know, following after him there was lots of people that were giving him like you know support and everything else as well um and you could see that it wasn't just a case of it just happened one day and then that was it he couldn't do it anymore he's obviously had this for a while and he's having to try and work through it to make sure that he can try and get to a level and and it's not that he can't play anymore and he says that like he feels that he can't play to the same level and that he wants to he wants people to remember him for playing at the level that he did he he doesn't want yeah. to try and push it and see that he's not performing as well as he used to uh, and then obviously it not looking as great on him so i think it's a wise decision you know if it's a uh, health related it's you know it's obviously good to make sure you're keeping yourself safe and not making Absolutely, things yeah. worse um and yeah like it's really hard to have to take a step away from something that you're really are passionate about and um yeah like you know, I'm sure he'll go on to do more great things. You know, though I've said he's obviously had a lot of experience in this his career. He's still quite young. He's he's only 25. 25 uh, years old.
0: Uh, yeah, so he'll be fine, right? He's going to do something. He'll do something else, and he'll still sure, sure he'll be still in the sports world. I mean,
1: I think say. it'll be interesting to see what he does because traditionally in any other sport, off you go, right? Off you go down to get a job as a labourer. See if you can get a job down the chippy or something. That's that's how it normally works. You know, well, maybe not so much now, right? In 2020, footballers have agents and they're setting up brands and everything else, right?
0: Arguably, the top top esports players do have agents as well. Um,
1: Yeah, but I I suppose what I mean is I think because of the nature of esports, the fact that if you look at other sports, I suppose, they've come from a grassroots and then established themselves, right? Whereas the video game industry was very much already a powerhouse and decided, why aren't we doing sports? And actually if you feel like you're at the position, like for him now, the position, like I can't compete at the top level. So maybe I step away from the top level and mm-hmm. I do commentary. I enjoy my presence on the internet. I get to play video games on Twitch and I make my career that way, as opposed to, you know, you hear sort of me and Kieran are wrestling fans, right? Like you hear horrible stories of wrestlers in the eighties. Like, yeah, I got a really bad injury. And the option was if I take another bump, I might be in a wheelchair or I have no job and no no fallback and that's mm. it. My whole career's done. I have nowhere to go from there. Um and that's that's across a lot of sport I think. You know, a lot of rugby players and stuff are oh, yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah. You've got repeated concussion issues. Okay, good luck in the real world and you know, but, let's see how long that money floats you. You don't yeah. get a lot of money playing rugby even at league level compared to, you know, a footballer. You know, I'm sure you do pretty well, but how long does that money last you? In theory, video games. And I guess that's the big story as well. It isn't just the way that the is covering it, but also the outpouring of support that you may not get elsewhere. It's like, yeah, the video game space will make space for him to do something else, which is which is good as well.
0: I was um I just I just had a look at uh the, the coverage that he got just by googling esports thumb injury. Uh, his name by the way, I don't think we mentioned it, is Thomas Zuma Paparato. Paparato? I hope I'm saying that right. Zuma is his uh uh, handle. He he was covered in NBC, uh, CNBC, uh, the BBC, obviously um, the NME, Randomly, you know, NY Post, New York Post. Um, I think did he play for a New York team? Was that who he was playing for? Um, it's 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 amazing that how, you know how many mainstream the the. T- t- not Telegraph. I, yeah, I thought I was about to get say the Telegraph covered it. That's, random. <laughs> um, it's it's amazing. so many different sites have covered it, and uh, yeah, it's it's kind of I don't know. You feel you feel validated, and fa- it's a horrible story for him and his career, obviously. But you know, in the fact, the grander scheme of things, it kind of like well, I suppose it got to be a good thing for the wider industry, right? Uh, people do sort of take esports a bit more seriously. As they should because it's a huge 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 industry
2: hmm. yeah. yeah like um i don't know like um if you guys obviously do much with like esports and so on but like a good example for um that i can give is um i watch like a bit of overwatch league uh mm. which is obviously simple called duty playing overwatch and they'll have their own teams uh, and they will go against other teams that are kind of you know based around the world and so on um and there's quite a few things like I love having this conversation with people who don't like do too much with it. Um, and uh, one conversation we mentioned on, I think it was the new two podcast like a couple of weeks ago um, was when I was talking about his teams, I said, Oh, there's a team called the London Spitfires. Um, and my old manager was like, Oh, so are they all from the UK? And I was like, no, 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 they're all like South Korean. And he was like, Oh, well, why, why are they all South Koreans? Is the London Spitfires. And I was like, well, you know, how many people, in Chelsea, actually live in London. Like, you know, how many people are from there? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's just like, ah, uh, yeah, okay. So, obviously, yeah, you know, it's a team and they're going to try and buy, you know, their, their best players, people that work together. And uh, South Korea have a lot of um, people who are really good at video games. It's more a way of life uh, for a lot of people. You know, it's not as, you know, let's say casual as it is over here. Mm-hmm. Um, But the people that are on these teams in Overwatch League, it's not. They just meet up, play a couple of games. They have a coach that runs them through it. And then that's it. They all live together. They have people that look after their diet and their nutrition. They have yeah. a separate person that looks after their mental health. They'll have like a PT that helps them keep in physical like shape and everything else like that. They'll, As you said, they'll have like agents that will keep a brand image and make sure that they're being advertised. Well, they'll have teams that are like helping their socials and everything else. Um, you know, they'll have like people looking after their finances and, and money, everything else. That they don't just have one coach, they'll have like an assistant coach, they'll have like a coach that is based off like certain, you know, like a tank character or a DPS or so on, and they'll have probably a good like, you know, thirty to forty people that's helping that team run. Mm. So it's not this kid's in his basement playing some competitive games, wins a bit of money. Bob's your uncle, there are aspects to that where you're playing tournaments from home and you know you kind of push yourself for it. But it's not, you know, this kid's playing video games. These are fully fledged companies and businesses and Absolutely. teams that are, you know, running with it. And hopefully, you know, we see the increase in esports at the moment. If it keeps on going, then, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if we keep seeing more and more news articles like this, whether it's someone doing really well and let's say it's like a team winning a world championship. Let's say if it's like League of Legends, um, you know, maybe stuff like that getting covered on BBC and keeping people more up to date. Because I think they would still get very good coverage on it. I don't think it's a case of, ah, oh, we're not going to report on this gaming world championship win because we don't think people are going to look into it. I think they'd be surprised. So, yeah,
0: I, I do think also um, when you think about when you say all these things, so. Uh, this is one of the reasons I think uh, you're getting a lot of professional clubs and other sports buying up esports teams because they're the ones with the infrastructure to have all this support because uh, you know okay maybe they haven't got coaches that can you know help someone work work on their tank skills but they might have people who can help with the PT side of things and the health side so that you know if they've got that infrastructure in place yeah okay But and then they've got the brand as well right you, you know stories about like uh, didn't Gareth Bale buy a load of here in Wales, Gareth Bale's like you know the man. Uh, didn't he buy an esports team recently? I feel like uh, that was news. Um, you know, it's it's uh, you, you need you need you need the infrastructure. You know, we 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 like to toy with the idea of doing esports, but uh, I don't know if we could support a whole swath of like uh, <laughs> people supporting the uh, players. But you know, we'll try one day. That's the goal. Um, yeah.
2: It like it seems that a lot of like esports bits come from companies that have the money, and they're like, "Cool, we're going to run with it," or it's you know smaller groups of people that have like built up over time, you know, and mm-hmm. um, it's you know unless yeah you do have the like several hundred millions to kind of get a really big esports league because they they're not cheap to do. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's something like if you want to register a team for the Overwatch League, you have to pay. I think it's like. It's either, like, 10 million or 100 million, just to, like, get, like, the team in. Um, I think it's probably more 10, because 100 sounds ridiculous. But that's <laughs> ten, sounds, where, 10
0: sounds a little bit ridiculous, to be honest. I know, right?
2: <laughs> um, but that's the, like, money that they put into it. And it obviously has, like, a good thing of, like, you know, they must make that money back, right? Yeah. You can't really... Just turn around and say, yeah 10 million and yeah you're, you're in so they obviously make that money back but you know that's the type of money you're having to put into a big esports league just to get your team in mm-hmm. um, and that being obviously one of the higher ones so you know you do need quite a bit of money to get these esports companies and tournaments and stuff going mm-hmm. but that's not to say that you can start them from the grassroots from the bottom you know a good example would be Belong. obviously. Belong is being a part of game uh, and it has obviously had that help in obviously looking to get it started. Mm-hmm. But, you yeah, know, the main premise of Belong is building a community and building a grassroots esports, you know, getting people who don't have necessarily a way into these high level esports space or are looking to improve on their esports can come to any of the belong arenas and look to take part in tournaments and meet other people and so on. So yeah, even now we're probably doing, um, online tournaments, which are free. People could just go onto our website, register for a certain day and just run with it, you know? Um, so it's not impossible. Uh, I would just say, it's just, obviously if you're starting from near the bottom, it just takes obviously a lot more time,
1: doesn't it? Yeah. So, yeah an empire into itself, isn't it? It is. I think that's the big takeaway for me is it's it's yet another example of the video game industry having somebody from the outside come in and go, Oh, this this is really cool and the industry being like, Yeah. Like we're aware, like we did all this without you, but you can get involved if you want. <laughs> um, <laughs> like, yeah. you yeah. know, if you wanna put it on BBC that's fine, but I guarantee you we'll get a lot more viewers on Twitch, so <laughs> like, this
0: is um this is just along those lines, you know, and I, well, I was joking earlier about it. the Telegraph did cover it, the Telegraph's headline is, is eSport a real sport? Sure, why not? It even has injury heartbreak. You know, it's kind of like, it's still a little bit tongue-in-cheek, but you know, you, you get that they're, they're kind of going, yeah, yeah, it is kind of a real is sport, that, isn't is it? It's
1: that a gradual transition, right, of like, this is dumb to, yeah, this is dumb, it's a shame though, isn't it, to... This is dumb, but that that guy, you know, that's, that's a lot of money that he's going to lose and stuff too. This shit's real. <laughs> well, <laughs> in, even, even in that gradual transition, there will be a breaking point yeah. where it's like... I think it could also just be an age thing and a maturity thing, right? Of It will take players like this guy who's gone through a career at the top level and then had to retire because of injury to then mature, maybe as a writer, as a presenter, as a host, as a... Figurehead and ambassador for it. Mm -hmm. All of a sudden, you've got a guy that's 35 years old 10 years from now that works liaising between esports and the rest of media, going, No, cool, let me show you, let me introduce you, let me be somebody who knows what this is about to Mm -hmm. cover this for you. Because right now, mainstream media is woefully unequipped to have those conversations a lot of the time. Um, yeah, you know, if I think about BBC, I think I'm sure there are journalists that kind of cover it on a mainstream, but I know is it Keza McDonald that works she does a lot of writing for the Guardian and stuff but she's somebody that I know from the video game sphere that covers on a kind of mainstream media basis but there aren't they're not names in the same way right so it's getting more of those people in I think it's less people from mainstream media trying to cover video games and more of video games going you need people that know this shit to cover this because you're not equipped to deal with it Mm -hmm. but hey it's the start of something it is indeed cool um so that's it for our talking point we will without further ado jump over to gareth who no doubt has another very odd game trailer for us this week take it away gareth
0: Welcome to another episode of Gareth's Odd Trailer of the Week. So this week is for a bunch of trailers that I've seen on Facebook. Now, I would say that everyone's getting these trailers, but to be honest, it's probably just me. Um, so basically, uh, it's a game called Mafia City. I've already shown a odd trailer for this, which was the beautiful drawn woman with the two options. Uh, this one is 3D now, which is, I guess, how mafia works Uh, that's all what it says in the comments how mafia works with these two options it's all pretty ridiculous each one has a few clips in it which make me giggle so yeah enjoy
1: Amazing. Thank you so much, Gareth. Um, <laughs> always bizarre. Um, we, will, we will leave Gareth where he was, where he is, looking at his odd game trailers and bringing them to us. Locked in his little um, room. In his little room. <laughs> and we will jump into uh, our recommendations of this week and what we're playing. Magic. So, as you're the guest, Kieran, we will okay. start with you. You can go first. What have you been playing... What do you recommend? What's the story? Um,
2: so, if I was to say what I was playing the most of at the moment, uh, I've been playing a lot of Warzone. Um, it's one of those things where I just have a lot of people from whether it's from work, whether it's from like yeah, me playing Pokemon uh, and people I've gone to like university and like school with. Um, Call of Duty is just that game where everyone can just seem to jump on, and obviously Warzone's free. So yeah, loads of people are kind of jumping on it. So I'm playing that quite a lot. Um, but what I would say, something new that I recently tried is um, Little Nightmares. Um, just became free on Xbox Live uh, for January, uh, and they've got the new Little Nightmares Two coming out soon this year. I think it's like May as a rough guess. Um, and I've also seen um, my mate Jordan as well. He was um, streaming it the other day. Uh, that's where I heard I- it.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yes. uh, we, we, we are. I was like, where have I, I know this game. Why do I Oh Jordan was streaming it right? Yeah.
2: yeah. yeah. So I, I started watching him like play it and I was like, Do you know what? This is this is better than I thought it was gonna be. So I thought, right, I'm gonna just watch this like two hour bit and then I'm gonna jump into it and play it myself and it is it was really good. Um like it's a puzzle platformer and it has very different kind of like puzzles that you wouldn't normally get. It's not, it's not Mario. It's not, I'm just jumping on things and so on. There's cool mechanics where you'll see some, you'll be able to climb up a few things, but it doesn't, it doesn't spoon feed you.
0: Oh, I like that. when you're
2: playing, you'll just give it a go. It's only when, if you get to a point and you don't know what you're doing and you're like, right, well, how do I do this? After like the second try, they'll go, hold down this button to sprint and you're like cool now I know what I'm doing and you just kind of go with it um and there's little kind of like cubby hole areas that you can go into and see these kind of creepier bits that give you a bit more story to it um and yeah I was like surprised I was just playing it and I was able to climb up things that I hadn't been told I'd been able to climb up and then I carried on going and I was like oh well this is different this is a different way then going this way this has less this and this has more of this so yeah it was really intricate uh and it had a great ambiance it was still quite scary the yeah. first kind of creature you go against is really creepy uh i'm still not 100% sure on like how i'm supposed to avoid him and stuff you're just trying to get out of the way as quick as you can uh so yeah i definitely recommend it especially as it's like free on xbox live uh, but also because the new one's coming out um it might be worth giving it a play uh before jumping into it it's a good puzzle platformer horror game
0: you, you, i think you've sold me on this because i just look at um, it is available on the ps4 as well it is on at 399 at the moment on the ps4 which is i mean obviously it's not uh uh free why is it there's a free option oh, i was a trial okay yeah so um it's dirt <laughs> cheap so get it is yeah, it on switch boring. as well do we know if it's on switch it, uh, it's a yeah, I think, I just a think, think the
2: price will be a bit different because it's a, a Switch title. Yeah, of <laughs> It'll
1: be one million pounds. That, that Nintendo tax. Uh, yeah. It's a that? cartridge,
0: therefore you pay more. Oh no, no, it's not. It's 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 the same for a cartridge that it is for a digital version because you're paying for air and you're also paying for something physical.
2: You can also <laughs> re-download it on the same account. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
0: Um what is it on the right? the same way as on a switch just so we know uh,
2: well, the new one is looking to be about thirty pounds, and that comes out on the eleventh of the second, so the eleventh of february so Ooh. i was I was quite far off on the release date, so yeah, eleventh wow. of
1: February I
0: like uh, I feel like I have to get that sooner rather than later if we're gonna do it, yeah, round
1: uh, the corner around the corner um. Cool. So, Little Nightmares. Thank you, Kieran. Um It's one that's been on my list for ages as well. I need to jump in and play it. Um, Sick into a horror theme, I suppose. I'm going to go next. So, I've been playing the Resident Evil 8 demo that dropped, right? So, Resident Evil 8 is on its way. I want to say it's. Is it March? It's coming out? Um, I soon. don't remember. It's not that soon. It might be a bit later, potentially. Uh, let me have a quick look. Maybe that's May, because that oh, would make sense. May. Yeah. Yeah may would make more sense actually yeah um but anyway resident evil 8 is is on the way we'll confirm a date for the release on that in a second uh but yeah they released a uh demo that's just called maiden um it's available free for the minute on uh ps5 uh it's really good like shocking no one it's very resident evil 7 um it's still first person as, as you would expect it to be um it's terrifying i don't deal with horror games very well uh, i force my way through can't. that oh, i can't it's too intense but uh it's a short enough snippet that you can kind of get through it all but it's great um it kind of introduces you to a lot of the tone of it the feel of it it looks incredible um there's a the bit where you kind of come out of a sort of dungeony type area with a lot of brick and as you kind of make your way into the the house you, you know it's in this big mansion in a very resident evil kind of fashion and It just looks incredible, the details, the colour, the lighting. It's really, really impressive. So, uh, yeah, if uh, you're a horror fan, you've probably played it already. If you haven't yet, go check it out. It's not going to cost you anything to do it. It's only a couple of minutes. Um, Yeah, it's definitely worth playing. Uh, The full game is coming out on May 7th. May. Come to the verge.
0: Yeah. yeah, The
2: demo will be coming out apparently later for other consoles as well, isn't it? Because it was like PS5 now. And then they'll do the demo on the other ones like later on. So yeah. if you haven't got a PS5, it's not the end of the world. You might just have to wait a little
0: bit. <laughs> I still got to finish uh, the last one. Uh, I started playing it in VR. And uh, do we know actually is eight in VR? I don't think they've said have they? Yeah, they haven't said anything. That was genius with yeah. seven because being a first-person game, you make it VR, and it's like yeah. And it was it was one of it was very terrifying. Um, uh, but I just uh, I just couldn't finish it. <laughs> just uh, <laughs> partly because it was a little bit scary, but also I ran out of time. Um, so I will I'll get back to that.
1: You prefer something a little bit more relaxing, Chris? Uh,
0: yeah, like like my the the, the transition. <laughs> like the <laughs> next game we're going to talk about. My recommendation <laughs> of the week. Hit it out of
1: the fire. Yeah,
0: uh, Untitled Goose Game. And I'm, I'm not sure. I can't actually remember if I mentioned this before. I might have.
1: I think it's been recommended
0: by somebody else. Ah, oh, maybe that was it. By you. Okay. Well, I'm recommending it because I've just started playing it, and uh, coincidentally, that's going to tie into. So when the pod, this podcast will be out the day after we do our first return to streaming, on uh, available on popular platforms. Uh, Tom and I are going to be playing Untitled Goose Game in co-op mode, which uh, it's it's yeah. such a gentle game. It is just. You're a goose, you're a bad goose, you're walking around
1: a town, and you're doing... But, like, even when you say you're a bad goose, it's not like you're a violent goose or no, a nasty not. goose. You're, you're, just, you're... you're just kind of a nuisance. You're a nuisance but goose. You can get kind of violent, I suppose, but... I, you're right,
0: there's no violence in this game. When I say you're a bad goose, you're like a, you know, like a naughty goose. You're a naughty goose.
1: Bit of a dickhead. Yeah, you I...
2: I know that you can make a kid cry, right? Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, that's a
1: little prick. Though.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so, so it's a justified goose then, not okay. like just not just a bad one. He's like the hero of it's the that hero. <laughs> town. It's a hero goose. Well, you get yeah. to play
0: as two hero geese uh, in the co-op add-on, which is uh, which is apparently free. So, I uh, we'll be playing that um, because. Um, because Tom's going to upgrade it to a PS5, we've uh, had some technical difficulties getting our regular stream back up. So yeah. we're going to try something else. Nice. A nice, gentle game.
1: Well, so, we're going to yeah. fall back onto our Nintendo Switches, which are notoriously fantastic for online gaming. So I'm sure there <laughs> will be no technical issues whatsoever. <laughs> it'll be 3D, <breezy laughs> and
0: yeah, we'll it, be all good. be fun, <laughs> yeah. well, so, so that's my recommendation of the week. Untitled <laughs> Goose
1: Game. Amazing. Uh, so Entitled Goose Game uh, the Resiate demo and Little Nightmares that's our recommendations of the week um, we've already touched on it so we will without further ado jump into the kind of upcoming stuff at the Arcade Vaults this week all well, about the transitions this week I know, right? I know. What we've got to do, right? What we're struggling with right now—we're not struggling with getting the transitions down. We can nail that. What we've got to stop doing is stop. You know, like if you explain a joke, the joke. Yeah. Not that yeah. <laughs> it's that kind of scenario. Like, we've got we to stop doing that, Pointing yeah. out how good the transitions are, people are like, "Yeah, jerk." <laughs> um, and kind of right, it's kind of—it's kind of douchey. Oh, yeah. there will be a point where we don't get so pleased with ourselves for successful transitions. Um, <laughs> Chris, do you want to take us through uh, what we've got coming up this week? Yeah, we, um, we
0: uh, as per last week, we are um, still closed, but uh, that's okay. Uh, we are getting back into streaming now. We have talked about it before, but we are actually, as of when, as I said earlier, as of when this podcast has gone out, we should have started our stream on Untitled Goose Game, which we just talked about. Uh, Tom, we're going to be doing some regular streams, uh, and they're going to be themed. Hopefully Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. Mondays, Tom and I will be doing some cop gaming. It's our date night. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know right. how. I don't know how it became called the date night.
1: It's just you know, it's
0: date night. So
1: it's uh, when we were discussing it. Everyone's like, oh, yeah, I can do this. And me and you were like, no, no, this is mine and Chris's time together. (laughs) You all need to back off. You can have your own night. Yeah.
0: So they Um, have got their own nights. The rest of the team (laughs) gonna be doing their own gamings. Uh, Wednesdays will be uh, various games, but usually retro games. Um, And Friday is going to be our multi-bash Fridays. We're going to be doing multiplayer games. And that one we have got confirmed as kicking off not this week. Uh, but next week uh, with Fall Guys uh, because this week, this Friday, is Global Game Jam Uh, we're back with Global Game Jam Uh, it's an opportunity for people to get together and make a game in 48 hours Uh, normally everyone does it in real life they meet and talk and stuff we're going to do it virtually over over Discord Uh, and uh, because it's virtual it's free as well um, It'd be a good experience for people to learn how to make games or learn how to work in a team to make games. It's it's just fun. It's it's, it's hard to describe unless you do it. So if you get a chance, do it. Um, yeah. So that's kind of it from us. Uh, we're gonna do a shout out for uh, the Smash Ultimate UK community as well. They uh, they have we we have close ties with the Welsh uh, scene and they let us know that the Ultimate UK team, the Smash Ultimate UK community are running a charity stream to raise money for the mental health charity Mind, uh, starting on the Saturday. Uh, It's basically a UK version of Games Done Quick, so they are speedrunning a bunch of games. Uh, We'll post the link to the schedule up in the uh, description somewhere. Um, there's a couple of uh, Welsh people on the uh, stream, so I'm going to probably say this wrong. sam sam leon Leon.
2: It's like a mixture between Samurai and Empoleon. That's... It does sound like that. Well, that's, yeah. his, that's, his, <laughs> that's
0: his tag. He's going to be running Rayman Legends, and he's going to be closing out the event. He's very active in the Welsh scene. Uh, and then Kiran, Kiran, K- Kiran... Uh, oh God, I should have checked with these guys how to pronounce these names of all he's going to be running Billy Hatcher and he's a close friend of the scene as well and was recently the world record holder up until very recently uh, it was a world record holder so they both um, from the Welsh scene are going to be on the stream so it's worth, uh, uh, it's worth checking out, it's for a
1: good cause um, and uh, yeah there you go,
0: that's Eight it for this week
1: and I think that's it for this week's podcast as well. Um, Kieran, thank you so much for coming on, man. Yeah, like, I've done a one. couple of podcasts with you now and stuff and, and we've had you at the arcade and things, but it's the first time we've had you on the Arcade Vaults podcast. So it's been really cool. Yeah, it's been it's been really nice to be on here. I find that me
2: and benji have uh, a very relaxed way of doing our podcast and we'll just kind of jump between just random points and stuff so i've actually quite liked the more news side of it and <laughs> being able to kind of analytically go into it instead of going along with uh, benji's antics so it's been great <laughs> well, it's been good i
1: guess i can talk about it now that that podcast is already out like episode two of game of the decade for the new is on on its way right mm-hmm. but we finished off part one with me being forced to make really bad imitations of Laura Croft from Tomb Raider, (laughs) like I was auditioning for it. Um, And that is a stark contrast to talking about what short-selling is in financial terms around video game retail companies. Uh, uh, Oh, yeah, yeah.
2: It's a great divide
1: between the two. (laughs) Are, are
0: Are we too serious on our podcast? Do we need to, like do laura croft auditions at the end
2: i'm of the-
1: good with this dynamic it works <laughs> <to me>. uh- <laughs> okay okay all right I'll,
2: I'll have to make people aware that like with the the little what does benji call them he calls them forfeits at the end of the podcast yeah. i feel like like we try to make them a bit random but some people will be a bit harsher on so like tom and nez unfortunately got the bit more of the harsher end of the stick of the like, forfeits on right, there
1: and therefore we just got put like it me and Nez both were just like, come on, are you kidding me? Oh, uh, um, mate,
2: Nez's one at the end of the one that we just did was creasing me. Incredible. Uh, it was incredible. so good.
1: Um, <laughs> it's really great fun. Um, if you haven't listened to the new tube before, go check it out. Um, definitely go check out the Games of the Decade, because that's, that's a kind of 2 um that's been really, really fun to do, kind of reflecting on the last 10 years and stuff. Um, away from the new tube, Kieran, where can, where can people find you? Um, <laughs> Okay. Um,
2: do you do? So, I do Twitter. Um, I think that's probably the one that I mainly am on, uh, which is kieran underscore tcg. Um, and then anything that's like new, the noob tube related, um, the Twitter for the noob tube is at the noob tube pod. Uh, Benji always gets really annoyed because someone just took the noob tube and he says he's going to find him and kill him, but he doesn't <laughs> actually mean that. So, you know, just bear with. <laughs> uh, Facebook or at the noob tube. Um, and then from time to time, if I'm kind of like feeling about doing a stream and stuff, and just doing some gaming, I'll go onto Twitch uh, and I'll stream through like my PS5 or my PC then. Um, and that is the Noob podcast on Twitch as well. Um, but yeah, uh, those are basically the best ways to find either myself or obviously the Noob Tube content.
1: It's amazing content. Um, definitely go check it out. Uh, thank you so much, Key Chris. As always, thank you very much.
0: That's all right. No problems
1: fun i think we're all good yeah we can go home we can enjoy the rest of our day and we'll see you on the arcade vaults next week see you next week everyone leaders
0: bye